I recently switched out my winter wardrobe with my summer clothes. Do you do this too? Each time I have the opportunity to take stock of what I have, what I use, what I need to donate, and what gaps I'd like to fill. One of the funnest ways I've loved to fill those gaps is through Armoire, a clothing rental membership that can help you build the perfect summer wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five-minute style quiz and select items from your online closet. The styles show up to your door in as little as two days. Then, when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new-to-use styles that help fill those wardrobe gaps without the major investment or commitment. For my first case from Armoire, I chose mostly summer dresses from Bowdoin, a brand I can't typically afford, and the chicest double-breasted black blazer from Paige that has honestly surprised me in its versatility. I have loved having more options in my summer wardrobe without the pressure of keeping them forever, and I've already been building out my online closet with Armoire, so I know what I want for my next case. For you expecting mamas, those working or style obsessed who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Monica Packer from About Progress, and you're listening to The Messy Middle, a monthly series where I share some of my own messy middle so you can see what progress looks like for a real woman in real time. Yesterday, I was looking at my goal planner for 2023. I truly poured so much time and attention and intention into it. And yet when I was looking at what I actually followed through with, I only, after I created all my goals for the year, tracked for part of January and the very beginning of February. And then I have 10 and a half empty months. (laughs) Well, my friends, I just think there is no better representation of what a wonderful but messy year this has been for me. Now, today we're doing a special episode. We are doing a play on the Messy Middle episodes, but we are doing a recap of my messy year. And the truth is, while I felt like it was an especially messy year for me, I know I'm not alone. And in fact, I don't think I've ever had a non-messy year either. So I am hoping that in sharing, I will give you permission to reflect on your own messy year. And 
What I'm going to do is I'll take the usual segments and I'm going to instead apply them to my reflection on that segment of the past year. And I was personally disappointed I wasn't able to maintain a habit of, you know, my goal planner like I was in the past. Looking back on it did still give me an opportunity to reflect on the year. And it helped me see that even with all the mess it can, it contained, I I'm overall so grateful for it, and I'm weirdly proud of it too. I'm proud of the mess. So as I reflect back, and I hope as you reflect back too, I also hope that you can lean into your own gratitude and pride in yourself that you made it through and that there were still some good and hard and messy and everything in between things that happened. So as I'm sharing, feel free to take the segments that you're going to hear and turn them into your own journal prompts, or you can just even take a meditative walk and think through your own answers. We usually start the messy middle episodes with me sharing what's happening. So this episode, we're going to share what happened in 2023. When I think about 2023, I actually start just a few days before the year started. I had surgery on my finger that was crushed after I fell down a flight of stairs. And then later on, it got stepped on (laughs) by a child, poor kid, and I banged against the shelf. So it got thoroughly crushed and I had that surgery. But that surgery was so hard. It was so hard because I couldn't be put to sleep for it. I could not be on big pain medications. Like I looked at the medicine I had from that to the amount of, was it ibuprofen or or acetaminophen? I think that's what I could take then. But even the amount I was allowed to take was as much as I take for a headache now. (laughs) So like going through surgery awake and then recovering, like having pins at multiple pins sticking out of my finger and Anyway, I'm going on and on, but that was tough. And then in addition to that, I had some major heart issues. So as the new year started, I was recovering from a surgery. I was having my heart monitored round the clock. I was wearing these, these like uh, patches on me. Um, I was really struggling just to even like breathe or walk or talk and lots of checkups. And in the midst of all this, I was working so hard to prepare for my own maternity leave. I planned three months of content in advance, but it took me many months to prepare it all. And also in the middle of this, my parents left on uh, a mission to go back east to DC. So with all that, mid-January, we welcomed our beautiful baby boy. He was born January 19th. I actually have a recap of my own birth story because it didn't go according to plan. And most births don't, but when you've had a fifth, you know, five kids and you pretty much know a lot of what you're doing by that point, you can, you know, level enter with some predictability. But um, I share in that episode and we'll put it in the show notes the whole birth story if you want that. But from that time on, that's when I really feel like I track this year, 2023, and I track it based off of the age of our beautiful baby. So he was born mid-January and thankfully so healthy. And I just want to say I I don't take that lightly. I, I've had two dear friends this past year who have both lost babies at the very end. Um, and I say that only just because I do want to be tender towards them and to anyone who has suffered so much loss with that. Um, so as I say that, I also want to be honest about 
how how difficult this adjustment was and in ways that really surprised me. You've heard me talk about this in other episodes, and we'll link that in the show notes too. But let's recap it. You know, right after he was born, he was born in one of the longest winters we've ever had, um, at least in my recollection of growing up here in Utah. And this is when RSV is at its peak, among other things. So we basically stayed home and were very isolated. And, you know, he didn't even meet most of my siblings until he was maybe three or four months old. And our baby wasn't sleeping very well, um, but most especially during the day, which is what was really hard. He had a tongue and lip tie, so we had to get that revised and it was fine. But overall, I was floored by not just the exhaustion, which I was. It it was a harder recovery than I'd ever experienced with my other um, births, even though it was a very... Um, like it's still not a traumatic birth, you know, I was very fortunate, but it was a longer and harder recovery. My exhaustion felt far different too. But in addition to those things, I was really surprised by the amount of anxiety I felt. I've had postpartum anxiety with other kids and, and the baby blues, but this was at a level where, you know, you get into bed finally in the middle of the night and your thoughts are racing so much that you still can't sleep even though you're so exhausted. And it was that way for a couple of months. And I'm glad that I was able to, it gradually dissipated over time. And I just will say here, like I would not hesitate to get help both medically and therapy wise if it had continued. And I think you should too, if that's the case for you. So I think overwhelm and frustration with myself is kind of what replaced that anxiety. And with that, just came me settling into the baselines of everything in my life. Every habit I kept was a baseline. And I'll share more about that later. Everything we did around our home was the baseline. I mean, the cleaning was baseline, the cooking, the meal preparation, the laundry, the keeping on top of the kids' assignments and piano lessons, like so many balls were dropped all over. And I'm so fortunate that Brad works from home because in many ways he was able to step up and other ways he obviously can't do it all either. So a lot of things just got let go and that was okay. So now I'm going to go into more what happened throughout the rest of the year. But just, you know, that was a general transition for me was just, it's been a very overwhelming year in many ways. Um, But with that, let's talk about some things that happened. Two months in, we visited my in-laws in California, and they basically just watched our kids for me (laughs) for like a week. And I like nursed a baby and tried to get him to sleep upstairs. He was just, he just had his tongue and lip tie um, like the day before we left. So um, it was just one of those times where that's how it was. I was so grateful for my, for my mother-in-law, especially who really just basically watched my kids for that entire week. So we went to visit California. Um... In between that time, I made lots of new sourdough recipes and painted sourdough. I feel like sourdough kept me out of um, a funk this year. Three months in, we, my, um, my oldest daughter and the baby and I went to visit my parents in D.C. And that all, also involved a revisit to D.C. for me because I did my internship there um, with the Smithsonian. I worked for the National Portrait Gallery and we got to revisit that and many other museums, but I was so poor there that I didn't really go and do a lot of things. So I also saw a lot of new stuff too. And so much had changed and I, it's been, it had been so long too, that my, my memories had changed as well. So that was three months in, four months in, 
we started to sleep train for naps and that changed so much just for our baby to be able to sleep longer than 20 minutes at a time during the day. I felt like I could finally shower or load the dishwasher. This is when I also started getting back into work and that meant I needed to start childcare. And that was actually between three and four months and we, we tried to start it and it wasn't great. It wasn't going well, not because of the babysitter just uh, it was just a hard adjustment, but in, a, in a, like a week, the baby adjusted, but I had a hard time adjusting <laughs> myself, um, even though it was just nine hours a week and, you know, five or six of those hours he was asleep. It was an adjustment for me, um, but I also knew it was really necessary and needed. It was not something I ever had to do with any other of my other babies, but it's what needed to happen. And I'm so grateful that that ended up working and our babysitter was swell and she she stuck around for uh, two months and then she had to leave. But let me back up. First in spring, we went to St. George as a family, which was honestly one of the first uh, couple days where I began to feel like myself again. And I think it was because we were finally out of our home and I was out of my head and we were um, like the kids and I would go on adventures while Brad was home working. And even those adventures were very very manageable. Like they go play at a water park, not water park, like a splash pad. And I watch them or we go do like a half mile hike, (laughs) that kind of stuff. But it just began to feel like, oh, I'm starting to come back. And then that's where we hit summer and we had a new babysitter take over. Our first one went to serve a mission herself and um, our new babysitter took over and she watched the kids the same amount of hours a week. And um, what we found, though, is like June and July was great. August felt like it was seven months long. I don't know why, but at the beginning of June, at the end of May and June, I actually did my first creativity project, actually my second, and I made garden boxes and I installed irrigation and I began to grow my first ever garden. And these are 16 boxes. I kind of, I went overboard. I was going for what I wanted. I wanted, if I was going to make the boxes, I wanted the boxes I wanted forever or for as long as they last, which is hopefully like 20 years. Cause I did the really nice wood and all that kind of stuff anyway. But that project was one of those big transitions for me because I felt truly like I was in my body again. And it just felt like, okay, I'm getting out of this, this like funk out of this haze. I'm beginning to feel more capable. I'm feeling a little bit less overwhelmed and I'm doing something that involves a lot of like physical labor, but also mental labor and is really interesting and different. And I began to just feel more like myself. Um, but besides the garden, we really spent most of the summer with my kids just playing and having fun at home because I still wasn't quite to the point where I could figure out how to take all of them places with a baby. Um, I feel like I've gradually by the end of the year figured that out better, but not during the summer. And that was okay because they had lots of fun at home. We did go to St. George for a friend reunion. And then in August, we had some fun things happen. Um, we visited our in-laws again, my in-laws for Brad's 40th birthday. We went to an amazing concert. His friends from um, from college largely came and celebrated him. And we had some families that we spent a lot of time with in Walnut Creek come and celebrate too. We had a wonderful dinner and it was just a great, great couple days there um, and a wonderful way to celebrate him. And then that was the beginning of August. And then after that, school started. But that's when we realized that we had a, a, another kid with special needs. And I say realized, like we knew something was going on with a child. We knew there was a personality shift. We saw a big uptick in behavioral problems. Um, but it all came together like one night in the middle of 
realizing that all these sleep issues were connected to other signs I had heard of other (laughs) children struggling with who have ADHD. And I have other kids with ADHD, but it's so different than how this child was exhibiting the signs that it really just came all of a sudden, all the pieces came together. So that was a big month for me. It actually felt like, whoa, like just a wall, like I hit a wall. And just worrying about can I, how can I support this kid? It's it's like oh crap, here we go again, you know. But also we have to do it all differently than we did before. So that was a big realization, and a lot of work began, um, in in terms of just being able to help him better, support him better at home, getting in better routines, helping learn how to manage the behavioral issues that are just connected to, you know, him being neuro- neurodiverse. So we're figuring that out. So that all is leading up to fall, and this is when like life speeds up after school began. And, um, I mean, I really don't remember September at all. October, I know, was so fun because we did so much as a family that were all Halloween and harvest kind of related. Uh, November was a blink. All I remember about November was a great Thanksgiving week. And now we're heading into Christmas. So that's where I'm just like, wow, time really sped up in the fall. And I feel like a big part of that was just me feeling like myself, which is so huge. And I hope that you can feel that difference in your life too, if you're struggling with that. In terms of what's happened with the podcast, we've had incredible guests. Um, some of our big highlights of guests this year include Dr. Jennifer finlayson Fife. That's our most listened episode this year. Emily Nagoski was a huge triumph to have on the show. Alyssa Blast Campbell about regulation and many, many others. We hit milestone of seven years and surpassed three and a half million downloads. I hosted some gatherings this fall, which was so nice to be in person with so many of you. Um, But also what's happened with the podcast is, and my business related to it, is I've only been able to do, just keep up with the podcast and the Instagram community connected to it. And I say only, that still requires quite a bit of work, Um, at least three or four hours a day. And um, that is work I love to do. But because that's all I could do, I wasn't able to launch all other things I had planned this year. I just, I'm really proud of myself though, for owning that this wasn't the time, even though I have had the plans and I've had them for a long time and I felt more ready for them, for them, for these plans and for what was coming. It just, it just was not that year. So, uh, it's okay. I, you know, I feel like I've, I've been able to at least cover my costs um, up until the last month when I had to get new computer equipment. <laughs> and now like, that's not going to be covered at all, but that's okay. It still feels so good. I'm recording this on my new, my new laptop and my new desktop is uploading some software that, cause I just got it. And what a blessing to be able to get that. Um, so that's what happened with the podcast. And I always end this segment by sharing the highs and lows, the highs, obviously having our baby. I mean, truly he has brought so much, um, just like this really special spirit. He is really sweet. He's just the sweetest little guy. And our family has adored him. It's been such a huge blessing. Other highs included hosting all of my kids' first birthday parties, (laughs) like all of them, like my 10-year-old and 12-year-old and eight-year-old and five-year-old all had their first birthday parties ever this year. I kept them really simple, but it was nice to celebrate them and to learn how to do this as a mom finally. And I, other highs include all the help and love I received from my neighbors 
Um, we couldn't welcome people in our home. I was just, I mean, doctor's orders, like keep that baby isolated, keep that baby safe because of RSV being so bad. Um, so while I couldn't welcome people really into our home, the amount of meals and cards and check-ins I got blew me away, especially because I'm sure if I were in people's shoes, I would assume she's got this. And I didn't. And I mean, one of those times I had like a a neighbor knock on the door and we're not great friends, but my house was a disaster and the baby was screaming. And I'm sure I was like just half dressed and not like no makeup or anything like that. And I opened the door and I just said, he's not sleeping and this is hard. And she gave me this beautiful plant and this book on self-compassion and just having her just like just to be there to, to validate me felt so sweet and wonderful. And it also helped me see how much I want to make sure I'm being that person to people and not assuming that they've got it. So that was a big high for me. And other highs included just those moments where I realized how far I've come this year. I just had that moment on my exercise bike of all places this morning. I was um, doing my little Peloton workout. I have the app and I just put a cadence monitor on my cheat bike from Amazon and it works great. And I was doing it and realizing where I was supposed to be in terms of the cadence and the resistance and realizing like, wow, this feels really easy. And a year ago, I couldn't do this, but six months ago, I couldn't even do this. And just to realize like, oh, like I feel like my, I feel like I'm in my body and I feel like my body's come so far and I'm so grateful for it. But other moments included just realizing, wow, I'm back in the swing of making most of the dinners again, (laughs) or I'm back in my, in my habits that I lost along the way. I'm back into them. Um, those are, were really important moments for me. Other highs included date night with Brad. Um, we have been working on installing a date night, whether it's at home or we bring the baby with us. And it's been wonderful. I feel like a big high for me has just been uh, the blessing of having just a really wonderful uh, spouse. And we've come far too. And that's a whole other story for another day. But we've had some hard years and hard times and and times we didn't think we were going to make it. And this is the year where I feel like our marriage has been stronger and deeper and more of a partnership than we've ever had. And I credit that to Brad because he, he, he saw what needed to be done and he stepped up and he did it. We could not have made it through the last year, but also the, the nine months prior, like, so the past year and a half plus without him. So that's a high for me. And finally, uh, a couple more, I guess. I'm looking at my notes here. Um, a high of having an active community on Instagram again. We kind of lost that for a while. And I feel like, especially the last few months, it's returned in ways that feel really good. Um, other highs include just the fun we had as a family this fall, celebrating Brad's birthday, and gardening, both the creation of it, the learning of how to doing it, of doing it, and the harvesting of it. Wow, those are big highs for me. The lows, you know, There's so much going on internationally. It's really difficult for me to share my lows without seeming like the most spoiled brat in the universe. Um, So I just want to acknowledge that first. Um, But alongside that, share that, yes, I did have lows in my life. And I think we are allowed 
to validate our own lows and they don't have to be the worst lows ever to be lows for us and to be stressful. We're allowed to feel frustrated or overwhelmed or sad or, or, or frustrated and, and us still have so many great blessings. So with that, I'll say some of the lows for me, just my finger healed weird. So it's a fused finger now, which is sad, even though I did all the physical therapy and was very diligent about the exercises they gave me and the torture devices, but it just is fused. That's been a bummer for me. Um, I didn't play the piano for a very long time for that, but I'll share more about that in a bit. Another low was just the derailed plans from this year. I I was so excited about different things I wanted to launch and now actually plans have changed and I'm very excited about what's coming. In fact, I feel like even more excited and that's how you know something is really right. Um, another, some lows, just children struggling in new ways that I've shared about that general feeling of overwhelm and never being able to be on top of the workload that I have, although that's getting better too. Uh, and there's that big moment of forgetting one of the most important interviews I finally landed and since I forgot it, <laughs> I lost that chance forever. That was a big low for me. That was one of the moments where I realized I was spread too thin. And even though I thought what was on my plate was supposed to be more manageable than I even expected to be able to, to do. So I thought I had lowered, lowered the expectations, but I guess not quite enough. So, wow, my goodness, that was the longest what's happening segment I have ever recorded. I guess this is going to be a longer episode. Uh, next up, let's do. Let me see what I have here. Make it a habit. There we go. After a quick break. Have you heard a lot about the do something list on this podcast and yet have found it hard to make your own? Or maybe you've tried in the past, but there just was something a little off about it that didn't make it as life-changing as it was for me and has been for many women in our community. I'm going to tell you right now that I am very excited to change how this list is working for you or to help you make the first list you've ever made. And I'm doing it all for free mid-January. I'm hosting a free and live do something list workshop. You can sign up right now so that way you do not miss it by going to aboutprogress.com slash DSL workshop. That link is really important because another DSL will take you to past workshops, which were helpful, but each year I tweak and I make them better and I make the guides better and it just gets better every single year. So to sign up for our DSL workshop that will take place mid-January, Again, go to aboutprogress.com slash DSL workshop. I can't wait to see you there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this segment, I share about habits that are going well and not so well. And since this is a reflection on habits that went well and did not go so well this year, instead of giving you like a play-by-play on all these habits, I'm just going to do more of a general one. And I can do that a little bit more succinctly because basically the nutshell is that I lost so many habits completely this year. 
they just completely fell off the wagon. And that was okay. Honestly, I feel they were chosen to be dropped. And the ones that I didn't initially choose, I could then choose. Like, okay, it's okay that, that that's gone, including day planning, meal planning, meal creation most of the time, me getting ready beyond showering, my own journaling. Um, those are just some of the habits I can remember completely falling off the wagon. Um, and then the I just had baselines of all the essential habits. Like a baseline of getting ready for me was showering. A baseline of exercise was 10 to 20 minutes of movement, just starting with yoga in my pajamas or very gentle walks on the treadmill for a lot longer than I ever did with my other kids, just meaning the baseline of, of movement. Um, journaling for my kids. I just did the bare minimum there. I did not do it for myself. But over the course of the year, I feel like I was able to build up almost all of those last ones, mostly just this fall. I feel like is when I was able to start picking those up, minus journaling for myself. I haven't added that in yet, but I want to this coming year. Um, and I've also felt like I've been able to build up the baselines of my other essential habits. So I feel like I can move more, I can get ready more often, more fully, and um, just other things around my home. Like I, I meal plan now, I'm day planning, um, just those things that just feeling so good to be on track of like what's going on with my kids' schedule and keeping track of things better. And one of the habits that has gone well this year, but took a lot of time, uh, was going to bed earlier and waking up earlier. And since I'm a life long night owl. I've always struggled with that. It it has felt really good to really prioritize our sleep. And I say our, because I feel like Brad and I are doing this together. Like most nights between nine and nine 30, we are getting in bed. Um, sometimes 10, some, some nights it's still not, it's just like a little roller coaster and that's okay. But most of the nights it's like, we're getting to bed earlier and we're waking up earlier than we ever have this consistently. Um, so that feels really good. And I already shared about some home responsibilities that have been getting more back to normal. Like Brad was making um, meals more often than he ever had in our marriage the past year and a half. But now I'm like, nope, I'm I'm back to being the primary cook and it actually feels good. And he's actually become a great cook too. So um, he still wants to cook one or two meals a week, which is really helpful. And But yeah, like I said, everything else, including like washing sheets, we're back to washing sheets again. Um and, you know, prioritizing that date night, like I talked about uh, a work habit that I picked up is prepping my social media posts in advance. So I started this fall actually just in effort to try to keep ahead with, or to keep on top of things without me feeling spread so thin. It was actually one of the things I'm like, when I thought I should just quit everything after I, uh, forgot that really important interview. And I was like, it's time to quit. That's it. I'm done. I can't do it. I am feeling at everything. I'm giving 10% to everyone and everything. And I just, I've got to quit. And I really sat on that. I sat on that. And then I decided to proceed, but to proceed with curiosity and to put everything on the plate or on the table and to decide what needed to be, what needed to go, what needed to be done differently. Um, and you know, one of the things that needed to be done differently is just how I was doing social media and just trying to like, you know, wing it every day. And instead I take an hour or two each Friday now and I plot out all my social posts and it's been really good for me to do that. And I don't enjoy it in the moment, but I really am grateful each day when I am like, okay, it's time for me to post. What do I post? Let me go to my notes in my phone where I've saved all of it. Oh, that's what I'm going to choose today. And it feels so good. 
So, okay. So I, I still have some things I want to come, um, to, to work on a little bit more. Like I want to bring my goal planning planner back into play. And I already ordered it since the one I shared at the beginning of the episode, it's called cultivate what matters planner. It's my goal planner. It's not a day planner. It's different. Um, and you track your, you make your goals. You spend a lot of time doing that, but then, um, you track them throughout the year. And I've done that well in other years. And I want to bring that back. And I also want to bring back journaling for myself, as well as maximizing, other habits. Um, and when I think about maximizing other habits, I I don't really see too many that I'm like, Oh, we definitely can do a lot more of that. I, I don't know. I think that will come with time as I realize what habit needs to be done a little better. Maybe, maybe day planning. I've been doing that better, but not like consistently all the way yet. Not every day. So that's the thing I want to maximize. Okay. That's make it a habit. Next up, let's do a DSL review. The DSL stands for the do something list. And I usually do a DSL update, but today we're doing a DSL review. The do something list is something that changed my life and have um, over the course of eight years now supported me and my life in, in different ways each year. And this year was no different. When I look on my do something list, I laugh because so many pieces of it were very unrealistic <laughs> to the life I actually led. But in other ways, my list saved me. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to go through my list. I don't think you ever heard on the podcast this year about what was actually on my list. And as I share what the original item was, I'm going to share what I did or what I tweaked of that those items, what I let go of or what I didn't do at all. Um, at the end, I'll share what surprised me about my list overall. The first item on my list was to take on five new creative medium challenges I did painting. I learned how to paint sourdough and build the garden boxes. And then I kind of crashed and burned for a little while, <laughs> partly because these creativity projects to me, they needed to be more work intensive. And finally, this fall, I realized, you know what? You're already doing two of these, two more that you can count. For me, learning to can was a big creative project <laughs> and it was a whole new challenge for me. And it involved a lot of thinking and and invention, and like I had to make new recipes and, and just in the doing of it involved a lot of creativity. So I'm going to count learning to can as one of those challenges. Also on the side, as part of me just trying to learn how to relax better at night, I had bought this book that will teach you how to learn to draw flowers. Kind of like those old books that would teach you how to do cartoons and step by step. That's what it does with flowers. And so um, I got that book and I will actually link to that in the show notes. I'm going to highlight that in my notes right now. So I don't forget to do that. Um, but I've decided, you know what, that's another creative medium, cre- new creative medium for me. So I'm going to count that even though I've only drawn like two of the flowers in the books, I've done daisies and tulips, but I'm going to count that because it doesn't have to be so intense. And the last one is I did buy the embroidery kit. I just need to work on that. And I, there's a couple weeks left in December and I think I'm going to get there. So either four or five of the goal of five new creative medium challenges has been crossed off. Next up, I had learned three new songs on the piano. Now, I actually crossed that out completely at the end of the summer, mostly because I was feeling super um, bummed about my finger and how it fused. And I tried to play the piano once and I was like, well, this is awful. (laughs) Like, this is so frustrating and hard. I am not an amazing pianist. 
by any means, but playing the piano has always been a great regulating activity for me. It's really, really helped me um, just deal with life and process things and spend some time on myself. And uh, it's just a really good thing. And when I couldn't even play remotely close to what I was able to play before, I just found that really depressing. So I crossed it out completely. But then this fall, in October, I was finally returning this violin that we had rented like six months longer than we needed to because I kept forgetting to re- to um, return it and bring it back. Does that sound familiar to your life? Anyway, I finally brought it back. And as I was bringing the violin back into this music store, I found a couple piano books that intrigued me. And one of them is from the musical La La Land, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So that was one of the ones I picked up. And what do you know? The last two-ish, two and a half months, I've been gradually just learning three new songs on the piano. So I wouldn't say I have learned them. I'm still working on them, but I'm so happy that I made more progress in that than I even thought I could. The next item was to perform flute at my church. I crossed that one off and it's still crossed off. It's also because of my finger. I just was like, I'm not ready to try to learn how to play the flute now with this finger. Um, but I think I'm going to more next year. I think I can do that. But I crossed it one off, didn't do it. The next one, learn and share three songs on the ukulele. Ha, ha, did not pick up that ukulele once. Next one, hand letter one quote per month. I altered that to three quotes total. I altered that in the fall, in the, in the late summer. I always revisit my do something list, but I didn't do a single quote and that's okay. But that one I didn't do. The next one, host a painting night with friends. Also did not do. (laughs) It's okay. Next one, complete five masterclasses. Have you heard of masterclass? Uh, That's the the online teaching platform where you learn from different masters on different topics. And um, I altered that late summer to three, complete three masterclasses. But I didn't start really doing them until November of this year. And in the, in the time of doing that, I have actually completed two. I did a David Sedaris class on writing. I think he is so funny and I loved his thoughts about writing. And I am, I completed one with Sarah. Oh gosh, I forgot her last name. She's the owner of Spinx and it was about entrepreneurship. I thought it was really, really fascinating. So two of the original five done. The next item was attend a local dance class. I was so close to doing this. I actually still may do it tomorrow. But as of right now, that's a no. Didn't do it, but I actually have good plans too in January. It's all going to work out. While my daughter goes to her dance class, I'm going to bring my five-year-old to a break dance class at the same time in the same studio and attend an adult jazz class at the same time. So I think that's what we're going to start in January. I'm very excited. The next item was explore personal style. This is clothes. This is makeup. This is hair. This is one of the ones I really feel like I did a great job. I didn't document it very well. Like I didn't share it very well on Instagram, but like I explored with my hair. I got different makeup and lipstick. I really worked on revamping my wardrobe to match both my changing body, but also my changing style. And I did have to spend money on that, but I feel like I did it in ways that felt like in alignment and not crazy. Um, So that one was actually really helpful for me. It helped me feel more like myself, even when I was not feeling like myself, if that makes sense. So that one has been on my list since 2020. And I think it's going to just keep staying on my do something list year after year. 
The next item was try five new sourdough recipes. And I hit this one out of the park. This one I did probably more like 10 to 15, maybe 20 new recipes for sourdough. And I have so many um, other recipes I have plans to try. And I'm very excited about that in 2024. The next item, go to a museum. I am surprised I completed this one, but I went to a lot in DC on my trip. But also here locally, we as a family went to the Natural History Museum up at the U campus, and it was great. We loved it. We also went to the Museum of Art in at BYU in Provo. So that was fun. Next item, attend a concert. I actually went to three. Again, surprised by this one. Brad and I went to Rocket Summer. Then we went to Yellow Card for his 40th birthday. And then I just went to one this this past month uh, with Corey Connors for a Christmas concert. The next item, see a local play. I'm going to count that this is done because I went to the Nutcracker and it was with my old ballet studio. That was phenomenal. I'm really like in hindsight proud of my old ballet studio and how fantastic they were. So I'm going to count that one. The next item, read 30 in-hand books. So when I say in-hand, I wanted to Audiobooks are awesome for me. I can zip through a ton of audiobooks. I tend to be a slow book book reader. Um, and I find it hard to prioritize that, but I wanted to do that more. I thought 30 seemed reasonable since I read like 105 books last year, but it, it, it turned out to be not that doable. So I have actually read more like 12 or 13 books, mostly on my Kindle. I think I've only read two literal books, um, but I'm counting the Kindle books. Um, but overall, I think I've read between 70 and 80. I still need to do a final count of books with audio. I love audiobooks; They count just as much, but I just wanted that there's that feeling for me of being a, a former book, bookworm that, and now a bookworm again, it's something that I brought back into my life, but there's a feeling of just connecting back to pieces of myself, like just having a book in hand and reading it. So that's something I would like to do a better job doing in the future. Um, but I couldn't. I mean, most of the time I like had both of my hands full while nursing a baby. And I, for at the beginning, I read more in hand books because I could read my Kindle while feeding him. But about four to five months in, I needed both hands. Um, he's just a really hard, <laughs> he's been a, a tricky baby to nurse and he's very active now. So like I have to basically hold him and, you know, like stroke his hair and like he, he involves all, all hands. So it's just been more of a listening year, I guess. The next one, take a day off, a me day. I actually did a whole episode on this too. So we'll link it in the show notes. And I did this on my birthday and I shared more about it in that episode. The next item, go on three Utah trips as a family. We went to St. George twice and we're going to count that. So two out of the three, the next item was go on five local family adventures. In the late fall, I altered that to two because we basically hadn't been on any. I'm, I said late fall, I meant to say late summer. But in the fall, we actually suddenly did a lot more. So we overall did four starting from like September on. We went to many um, harvest related things. We did the Natural History Museum, like I shared. We walked downtown in Salt Lake, which was really fun. We went to Provo for a day. So four big adventures just this fall, which is awesome. The next item, lead a hiking club with new friends. I did this in 2022 and it was so great to learn more of the mountains and make new friends. I just did one at a time. I just did one friend who knew the mountains each time. It's like, Hey, I'm going to go on a hike tomorrow. I only have three hours <laughs> and where do you want to go? And we do it. But this year I only went on one hike and it was with a baby who screamed for about three quarters of it. And, um, it was still good enough and I'm glad we did it. 
but that's all I could do. And I'm a hiker and I really miss hiking. So I'm going to bring that back for next year for sure. Two more items. The next one was try 10 new restaurants. I altered this to eight in the late summer and I have six down as I I went to uh, six new restaurants. And the latest one we did was this amazing Thai place. So uh, it was so good. Like Thai curry was amazing. The last item, share three personal essays. Now, let me just share. This is not a goal. I wanted, I had a goal of, I thought I'd write my book this year. That, my friends, wasn't even remotely close to what happened. And I, and goals are separate than do something list items, but you can use do something list items to move you closer to your goals in ways that are about exploration and fun and discovery. And I thought if I shared three personal essays online, like I shared it with you, that would incentivize um, my overall goal outside of my do something list to write and to write a book. So I didn't write a single thing besides all the content I do online. So that is a lot of writing. But in terms of write, write, like a a memoir that I want to write, didn't happen. That's okay. So that was a list. It was a lot of items. Thank you for listening. What surprised me overall is just how even deciding something like you want to write or something you want to do or try, even in the deciding, so much of these things ended up happening even past the dates I thought I was done with them. And that really surprised me. Like, oh, I thought I wasn't going to do that thing. I even thought it wasn't possible for me. But because I wrote that, I get when it gradually came back around, even at the, at the, the last hour, like it felt good and I did it and it wasn't a pressure. I didn't feel like I had to fit in any of these things. This is, I've never completed a do something list and that's not the point. Um, but I completed more than I thought even at the 11th hour. So, and also surprised by how much I did, even if it was just a little bit, how much those things supported me through a pretty messy year, a year where I felt really stretched um, in all ways. And it just really felt like it supported me in ways I needed. Um, Before I end the segment, we have an incredible free workshop that is happening mid-January. If you want to learn how to create your own do something list for 2024, you can sign up at aboutprogress.com slash DSL workshop. I'm going to help you create your do something list for 2024. And it's really important if you've never made one or if you've never really had a successful list or you keep forgetting about it year after year. So come and do it. The next segment is a loved list. But first, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. I was remembering the other day how I did not have great fashion sense when I was in middle school and high school, and my favorite shoes were honestly ugly. (laughs) But the reason why I kept picking those shoes, no matter how much my family made fun of me for my bowling shoes, they called them, it was because they were so comfortable. Well, now I'm no different. I'm a creature of habit and a creature of comfort. And when I am running around, oftentimes literally, I need to have shoes that are very comfortable. But I will say, I think my fashion sense has improved. So not only do my shoes need to be comfortable, they need to be really classic and cute. This is why I have absolutely loved being sponsored by Vionic Shoes. Their biomotion technology revolutionized orthotics, and now they use that same technology with their classic, cute, and comfortable shoes. These are not 
grandma shoes, my friends, and no offense if you're an amazing grandma, but these shoes are the kinds that you will want to wear in many different outfit scenarios and in many different real life scenarios. The pair that I have been using the last few months is the Alfinas. They are an Oxford with a little bit of a thicker sole, and I got them in black platinum leather. I have worn them all over the place from school pickup to doing a segment on the local news to church to date night to Costco. I have worn them so much, and I've had my eyes on a few other pairs, mainly some loafers, but also sneakers and boots and some other Oxfords. So if you want to join me in checking out Bionic Shoes, you can get a special discount. Use the code PROGRESS at checkout for 15% off your entire order at www.bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. One time use only. Again, that code is PROGRESS for 15% off. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. This is why we will only do an episode like this once a year, because this is quite long. In this usual segment, I share what I'm loving lately. I'm going to share a loved list, the things I loved this year, and I'm going to go a little bit more rapid fire. Uh, Some things I loved, merit makeup. I've been cheating on beauty counter a little bit because I finally realized, hey, there's more clean um, skincare and makeup out there than there ever was before, especially when I first originally started beauty counter. So I've experimented with Ilya and Merit, and I like a lot of their stuff, both of them. Um, But Merit lipstick has been one of my go-to lipsticks and their highlighter stick. Um, I love it. It's made me feel and look um, just more fresh and like shiny and glowy without being like, oh, you need an oil blotter for your face. Another thing I've loved this year is Alex Mill clothes. I have looked at their clothes for years. I'm going to be honest. They are expensive which is why I have not bought their stuff. They're known for their knitted stuff and their jumpsuits. In July of all times, they had like the only sale I've ever seen. And I spent more money than I would normally spend. And I got two jumpsuits and two sweaters and two skirts. And each of those items have been worn to death. I love their sweaters so much. There's one I would love to have again in a different, in a different color. Um, and their jumpsuits are so flattering and fun. Um, the skirts, I feel like in hindsight, probably didn't need those skirts, but I, I thought when I bought them, I'm like, I'm going to get these because they're so on sale and I'm going to learn how to make them. <laughs> that was one of the creative projects I was thinking about doing. Um, and I can make myself many skirts because in the summer I don't wear jeans. I do not wear shorts. I wear skirts and dresses, but the summer I could only wear skirts because I'm nursing a baby. So um, anyway, that was my line of thought, but I will say they did not do any sales, no black Friday sales, no, no anything holiday sales. So if you see a sale with Alex mill, jump on it as will I other things I've learned to, um, or new brands I've tried and love this year is Queens and they need to make sure they share how to pronounce their name because I, I still like, I keep hearing it now how to say it. I'm like, oh, I can't, it doesn't stick in my head. I keep thinking it's Quince or Quince, but it's Quince, I think. No, I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Anyway, there's these earrings from them that are called the globe hoop and they're like kind of wider, but they're hollow and they're like huggies, but a little bit longer. They're not huge. They're not heavy. I wear them a couple times a week at least. And I'm a big earring person. So I love them. Also, I got a jumpsuit from them that was way cheaper than Alex Mill, but um, like a linen one, love them. Loved it. 
Okay, next up, Banana Republic Outlet closed. That was just been this, like, Black Friday stuff. Uh, that's what I, I got some sweaters from them that are so soft and so beautifully made and so cheap. I also found my church pants, and they are really great, and I feel really good in them, and I also feel way less cold and a lot happier when I'm walking to and from church in the cold winter, and I'm wearing my cute pants. So I would check them out. Okay, that's kind of like some things I bought. Uh, things I've led podcast-wise. I'm a big fan of pantsuit politics. I don't know if I've shared about them before. I originally discovered them through Rachel Nielsen and 3 and 30 Podcast. Uh, she interviewed them. I read their book last year. What now? I think that was what it was. Um, but anyway, their, their podcast alongside one more, I'm going to share a couple more I want to share with you. They just really show me the excellence in podcasting and craft and thoughtfulness and just how well that can translate to a listener, me as a listener. And they've really helped push me to become a better podcaster. And so Pantsuit Politics, I really love. I love how nuanced they are. Uh, They also, they do lean more politically left, which I do. And, um, but I like that they're not like, they're not so far any direction and they're still um, very open and willing to learn and to grow. They're not there to just be talking heads. I really love the work they do. Another podcast I have just dived in this year. Um, I started listening in the fall, I believe last year, late in the 2022, the podcast with Knox and Jamie. And it takes, it will take you a bit to get into it because they have so many like inside jokes and their segments. Like you're like, where does this, like, what does that come from? What does that mean? And you just kind of get the hang of the inside slang. And I just really love, again, their excellence and how they podcast. I also signed up for their Patreon and their premium podcast. And it is no different. Like I listen to every single episode. I've listened to every episode they put out this year on both feeds and I look forward to them. And that's when, you know, it's a good podcast and they've helped push me to be better. Another podcast that's been new to me, wiser than me with Julia Louise or Louis Dreyfus. Um, excellent. So well done. She's so natural. So herself, a great interviewer, very curious, but also very funny. And the women she interviews, it's called Wiser Than Me because she interviews women that are older and wiser than her. And I love that we get to hear from old women. Why not? Why haven't this not been done before? I love, I love this podcast. Um, and the last one that I've really loved and I've shared about is that was delicious with Brooke Ellison. And this really is where my foodie heart just explodes. It's so good. And she just has such a conversational style with her guests and it's really fun to listen to. Another thing I've loved just this past month is winter tires on my minivan. <laughs> it's been such a relief. Last Friday I drove, um, it took me twice as long to get up to the ski resort and back with my little one, my five-year-old for his first ski lesson. It was so stressful. I was white knuckling it every second of both drives. And I was so relieved that I had new winter tires on my car. Uh, some of the best things I've made this year. I'm obsessed with my jalapeno white cheddar cheese sourdough bread. And my family does not really like spice. And I actually I don't typically, but I've liked it more as I've gotten older, but jalapeno cheddar sourdough bread is the best bread on the planet. And so I will make an entire loaf and just like gradually eat it throughout a week. And by the end, it's not so great, you know, because (laughs) like fresh sourdough bread made from home, not as good as when 
it doesn't stay as good as long, right? So I ended up giving, I've learned to give like a quarter or half to a neighbor a couple doors down who likes them too. So that is my favorite version of my sourdough bread. I've also loved these sliced chocolate chip shortbread cookies from, oh gosh, what's her name? She was on the New York Times cooking and then she got canceled in ways that weren't fair <laughs> as this happened. Uh, but she has a YouTube channel called Home Movies. And um, Allison, that's her first name. And I've forgotten her last name. I want to get her cookbook, but I, I there's so many cookbooks that I've wanted to get this year. I've just had to say no because that all um, just was a little bit too much for me. But I'd love to get her new cookbook. But uh, it's kind of hard to find this recipe because New York Times will only let you look at things like twice before they want you to pay for things. And um, just take a screenshot when you do. So that way you can make it for all of your life. Uh, another thing I have loved making this year is big as my face chocolate chip cookies. They cannot be beat. They are so good. I use the same recipe I've always used. If you want it, just email me and I'll send it to you. But what I do instead is after it's rested in the fridge, at least the dough has rested in the fridge for at least 24 hours and even better, like 48 hours, you take that dough and you, you make the biggest cookie you can. I do six ounces on my scale, which I only use scale for baking, <laughs> my baking scales for that, um, or my scale in the kitchen. Anyway, and you just cook it and you sprinkle a little sea salt over it before you cook it. And oh my gosh, this is so good. And like, these are the only cookies where, well, and the shortbread ones too, where I feel like the next day they're just as good, if not better. And I like them a little crispier than I have in times past. So I cook them a little bit longer than I used to as well. And finally, an olive oil cake. That is a, is, I wouldn't say a copycat recipe because it's not a copycat, but it's a, like, let's, I want to make this olive oil cake from Thule Bakery in downtown Salt Lake City. Shortly before I had my baby, my five-year-old and I on Friday mornings, he didn't have preschool. So he and I would go on adventures and we would either go treasure hunting, which is what I called it. And it was really, we would go to thrift stores and antique stores and I would look around and beg him to not touch fragile things. And we would search for treasures. And sometimes, or instead of those uh, treasure hunts, we would go get a special like treat somewhere. And we went to Thule Bakery, Thule's Bakery a couple times. It's like a French bakery, really good stuff. And I tried their olive oil cake on the recommendation of my sister. And after that, I found the recipe on Female Foodie. And that's actually Brooke Ellison. And her recipe was like spot on. And I have made it maybe seven times this year. And I'm going to make it again for a party. We are throwing this Saturday with a reunion of lots of California people. So um, it is incredible. So Google Female Foodie olive oil cake. You will not regret it. Just make sure you use all room temperature ingredients. I'm just going to tell you that. Otherwise, your olive oil will just leak out. And I use olive oil from Costco, and it's great. Um, okay, the cookbook I've adored this year, especially. I have loved um, Home and Kind's Costco One-Stop Meals. I've loved that. I just got Bake by Courtney Rich. She's Cake by Courtney on Instagram. It is the best baking book I've ever seen because it's. she does have some cake near the end, but there's cookies, there's bars, there's sheet pan, there's loaves. And she, I've yet to make anything with her that is not 10 out of 10 delicious. And I've already made the gingerbread or the ginger snap cookies. They were incredible. Incredible. I also made a chocolate bunt cake that was so good. I went and bought a bunt 
pan. I thought I had one and I, we lost it in the move. I had borrowed a bump pan from my neighbor to make it. And after that, I went and bought one because I'm like, I'm going to make this over and over. Okay, next up, what I what I love this year in terms of shows, I sat down to like to write what shows did I watch this year? And I went in a complete blink until I remembered that I was obsessed with Daisy Jones and the Six. This is based off of a book that I loved. And funnily enough, when I first listened to this book, listen to an audiobook, you're not going to regret the audiobook version of it. But when I listened to it, I thought it was a real, like a real uh, documentary, because they have different actors reading different parts. And they, the way they did it, it sounds like you're just listening to this audio, audio documentary. Um, and so I didn't know it was fiction <laughs> until I finished the book and I was Googling Daisy Jones and the Six, or I was looking for Daisy Jones and the Six music on Spotify and nothing kept coming up. And I was like, well, this isn't right. And I finally realized I had just read a fiction book. <laughs> so the the um, Amazon Prime series of this I thought was amazing. The pop cast, Jamie and Knox did not like it. And I was outraged <laughs> by how they did not like this series. But I will strongly disagree with them. And I normally really cherish their opinions. But no, Daisy Jones and the Six was so good. And I was really um, in love with Sam Coughlin. I can't remember his last name. Apparently I have name issues. But the lead man, he thought he was perfect. And Daisy Jones was perfect too. It was actually Elvis's granddaughter. So loved that show. Loved it. And I listened to that music like obsessively and then forgot about it for many months. And then when I was driving my five-year-old through the snowstorm to get to a ski lesson, that's what we listened to so that I could calm down. Okay, next one. I did love the Ted Lasso final season. A lot of people didn't like this and I loved it. I thought it was different, but good and still at the heart of the show. And I am sad it's over. The only movie I saw in the theaters was Barbie. It was a good one to see. I really wanted to see Oppenheimer, but this is just, you know, nursing and a baby that doesn't sleep very well. It's really hard to go do these things, but I didn't get to see Oppenheimer. I'm hoping to see it soon. Uh, so Barbie was the only movie I saw in theaters and I thought it was great. Other shows we've loved is the Great British Bake Off, although we watch it very slowly, like one episode a month with our kids, but I love it. Um, my kids also loved Cake or Not. I think that's what it's called. And then I love the Magnolia Network so much and I love anything they do with like old homes and they just are doing their hotel series of, of documenting them, uh, you know, remodeling a huge hotel. And I love it so much. I've also gotten into YouTube a little more this year. I've I've loved watching Architecture Digest Celebrity Homes for years. I've liked to watch those. But I've gotten into just watching a couple other channels. Um, and one that I've liked a lot is How to Renovate a Chateau. It's new for me, but I really am liking it. And in terms of music this year, I basically just listened to Taylor Swift Street, mingled with a bit of Brandy Carlisle, Cam, and some Miley Cyrus thrown in there, which really surprised me. So that's what I've loved with all those things. Now, books. This is where, this is already such a long episode, and I'm sorry if you are so bored, but you know, it's okay. You can you can just bow out here. But I wanted to share about my books I love this year. And I'm going to take this by genre. And then at the end, just some other categories. My favorite books I read for literary fiction, Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Uh, that, that book really took me for a ride. It's almost like an epic tale, but of our own time, but in like the Appalachian South. So it, it had a lot of like sadness, but humor and 
It was really beautiful. Another literary fiction book is Covenant of Water Water by Abraham Verghese. That, I'm going to tell you more later about it, but that's the best book. Another literary fiction I loved was also Tom Lake by Anne Lake by Anne Patchett. I actually love Anne Patchett Patchett's uh, nonfiction, her essays, and I haven't loved her fiction as much. Except I did love The Dutch House, but Tom Lake was super good. I really loved that historical fiction genre. I really liked As Long as the Lemon Trees Grow. This is about you know a civil war in Syria and told through the eyes of a girl who is living through it. And it's really sombering, but also very beautifully told. I also liked The Light Over London. I didn't read as much historical fiction this year as I do typically. That's my favorite genre, and I just didn't. But I did read a lot of women's lit. Um, And that's, you know, some people could call that chick flick, and I wouldn't. I would say it's women's literature, because this is this is literature. Um, I loved Happy Place by Emily Henry. A lot of people didn't like this as much as her other books. I thought it was fantastic. And maybe that's just because of my own relationship with Brad and how we like started as really good friends, which that couple does too. Um, and I just finished Romantic Comedy by Curtis Siddenfield. I read a couple other books from her and I didn't even realize that was the author until I was finished reading it. I was Googling her and I was like, oh, I've read that book and I've read that book and I've read that book she's written. I really loved it because it's like an SNL writer who falls in love with one of the guests and their story. Um, Really great book. Okay, nonfiction. Oh, probably one of my favorite books of all time. I read this this year, Boys in the Boat. I listened to the audiobook version and you've got to. It's the grandpa from Gilmore Girls, which I made it through like almost all the seasons. And then I stopped at the end because I just couldn't get into it. But I gave it my best shot. This was years ago. But anyway, Boys in the Boat. Just take my word for it. Another one for nonfiction, Enchantment. I adored this by Catherine May. I've been trying to get her on the show. Um, I need to read Wintering. I have that book next on my nightstand. I have too many books on my nightstand, but Enchantment was beautiful. It's about capturing beauty and um, just magic every day. Another book I finally read under nonfiction, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. Kolk. Um, Brilliant, (laughs) life-changing, especially when you want to understand so much about trauma and regulation and maybe people in your family. Uh, It helped me understand so much. I recently learned that he's been accused of his own issues. So I don't know. I got to look into that a little bit more. The next book, The Violence Project by Jillian Peterson and James Densley. Um, This is about gun violence, especially mass shootings, but it's not, um, what's the word? It's, it's not political in that they have like one side that they're like, let's really into this. It was the full picture of why and how these things happen and the way they were able to to research this and share about it is because they actually interview the shooters who agreed to it and who are still alive and, and coupled with a lot of other research. I thought it was really hard, but fascinating to read and helped me understand a lot more about how it's mental health, it's gun access, it's all those things and so much more. The next and final book under nonfiction is Outlive by Peter Atiyah. I'm thinking about trying to get him on the show, but I just looked on Instagram today to see where he's at with social media following. And he's almost at a million followers on Instagram. So I'm like, Oh, I don't know about that one. If I'll be able to get him, but outlive is about longevity. Uh, one of the reasons I loved it is because he owns that he went to some extremes in the pursuit of getting healthier in his life, but how he actually learned in many ways, those extremes were not 
helpful. And one of those ways, and I'm going to say this here pretty bluntly, was intuitive eating. Uh, not intuitive eating. Excuse me. Not intuitive eating. Um, it It's uh, fasting. Intermittent fasting. There we go. And and also another kind of eating that I can't remember the name of. But he was really extreme in those areas and then finally realized that that wasn't what was going to help him live longer. And he gives, he's a doctor. He gives tons and tons and tons of research, but it's really well told. The last third of the book, I actually liked the most and I almost wish he had led with it, but maybe that's like the reward you get for getting through that book. I listened to it and I liked it because he reads it. Under memoir genre, I loved A Heart That Works by Rob Delaney. He's an actor slash comedian. This will take your heart out and squish it and crush it in a million pieces. He talks about his little boy who died from cancer. And it was just an artful, beautiful um, tale and so vulnerable and still beautiful. So I highly recommend that. Another book, All My Knotted Up Life by Beth Moore. Weird fact about me is I am really into a lot of evangelical women as someone who is Christian, but not evangelical. And I did not know much about her at all. I didn't know anything about her, actually. I just, this was a recommendation from Jamie Golden from the podcast. And I listened to their Bible binge podcast, which is now called Faith Adjacent too. But anyway, they recommended this, All My Knotted Up Life. And she tells about her life story in many ways, tragic, hard, but she's so funny and honest. She shares about the last few years as being an evangelical woman who was kind of put through her own cancel culture. Um, anyway, I didn't know much about her at all going into it, but I'm a big fan of her writing. And I really, that, that was one of the ones I read on my Kindle while like nursing and rocking my baby and read through it pretty quick. Oh, this next memoir, Finding Me by Viola Davis. Listen to the audiobook. You must, because she reads it. And she got, what did she get? She got a Tony for reading this book and she deserves it. And that has made her an EGOT because she does it so beautifully, so brilliantly. It starts with a lot of F words. So be prepared. She's sharing about like an excerpt of her childhood and she had a very rough childhood. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of F-bombs flying in the beginning. So be prepared for that. I don't hear them because of living in the Bay Area and teaching middle school there for years. Anyway, it was so, so good. My respect for her just rocketed, rocketed. And um, to learn more of her story was just amazing. The next genre, fantasy, fourth wing. Ah, uh, I read this one on my Kindle and brilliant. I can't wait to read the next one. I almost bought it, but I stopped myself because it was kind of high buying season right now with all, you know, Christmas coming around the corner. Um, and I'm kind of feeling like I should have just bought it. So I might do that. It's so good. And it's like Hunger Games meets dragons. And uh, there's some saucy, spicy stuff in there too. So be prepared um, to skip if you don't like that stuff. But it was really, really good. I also like Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. This is a little bit cleaner fantasy if you like that. Um, I just finished it. Really loved it. Okay, a fun overall read. I don't even know what genre this goes under. Maybe literary fiction. I don't know. Probably not. Um, but Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt. It's about an octopus <laughs> in an aquarium and the different people that are part of the story, but you don't know how they connect until near the end. I really loved it. I thought it was super fun. A book that surprised me 
is Frederick Bachman's The Winners and Bear Town. And I say those two. It's those are two books in a three-part series. And I read the third part first, not knowing it was part of a series. I loved The Winners so much. And um, so, so much. And when I shared it on Instagram, people were like, how did you like the other two books? I'm like, there's other two books. He 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 almost recaps so much in The Winners that you don't even need to read the other two. And people who read the other two first were like, he recapped way too much. Um, which I was like, oh, well, I appreciate it. But I recently finished the first in the series, Bear Town. I'll be listening to the second soon. Really love this series. I like Frederick Bachman's. He wrote a man called Uwe. Uwe? Uwe? Oh, gosh, sorry. And... I love that book, but he wrote normal, like anxious people did not like that book very much, but the winners bear town, the bear town series. Yeah. I loved him. Another one that surprised me. It came from a recommendation from you, the other Bennett sister. And I believe I shared about this, uh, but it's about the sister Mary that everyone thinks is like, like, uh, just kind of a drag and like too intellectual and says things as they are. And, and like, it's just lame. And you get her side of the story, but it's like told in the Jane Austen style. And I, and it's still like a total Jane Austen book, like where it's kind of a love story too. So really that one surprised me. Some new to me authors that I like this year, Abby Jimenez. I read two of hers, uh, yours truly and part of your world. I liked them both a lot. Abraham Verghese, who wrote a covenant of water, the biggest letdown for me was a book called Shenisville by Paulette Giles. And as I was reading it, I was like, I love this so much. This is so good. I want my dad to read it. Um, it's about this guy after the Civil War who's um, goes on this basically detective and avenging mission in one after uh, some family members get killed. And that's like on the book cover. So I'm not giving anything away. But the reason why it was the biggest letdown was that ending was stupid. <laughs> It was just straight up dumb. And it like ruined a very good book. Very good book up until the end. So I don't know. Maybe read it because the rest of it is really good. But the last like 20, maybe 15, 20 pages, lame. Um, Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, did not like. I feel like the female character, Lucy, was very underdeveloped. The main character who is actually like the bad guy in all the other Hunger Games just like weirdly developed. Like you make him think like, oh, there's a heart and a story behind him. And it helps you understand why he became like a psychopath leader. But all of a sudden he is a psychopath. And it's like there was no in between. And I didn't like it. And I'm not sure if I want to go to the movie. Most interesting books. um, I've already shared about them. The Violence Project really recommend it. And Outlive by Peter, Peter Atia and A Body Keeps the Score. Those are the ones I just keep talking about all the time. And my very favorite book of the year, Covenant of Water. I read his other books too, Abraham Verghese, or not other ones. I've read one of his other ones, Cutting for Stone. I really liked it, but Covenant of Water is just, I mean, so beautiful. I listened to the audiobook and he reads it and he does a great job. And I listened to the six-part series that he did on Oprah podcast, uh, Soul Podcast, and it was so beautifully done too. But I have way more to share on this, and it's going to come in January. So that's a, a little sneak peek of something that's coming that I'm working on and very excited about. Oh, that's it of the love list. Let's wrap this up with what's on my mind.
maybe I'll have to do two parts of this next year. So uh, on my mind is usually just what I share a little bit more unfiltered about what's on my mind. Uh, for me, this is kind of a scary one for me to share is just this kind of privileged conundrum I've had internally of how much to speak up on social media. 2020 was a stretching year for me in terms of speaking more openly about really tough topics. And I think overall, it was really good for me. It was really good for our community. And I think we did it in a way that we really were seeking to listen and to be heard most of the time. I say most of the time because that minority of times where I basically got told I was the worst person ever really took a toll on my mental health and was really hard to maintain in ways like I gradually have chosen not to. Um, Over the past three years, I feel like I've slowly shared less and less about where I am politically and even spiritually. And I mean, it's out there. It's there. It's between the lines of everything I do. Just like read between the lines. But being explicit is not something I've done more and more for my mental health. And it's been good. But also, it's just there's so much going on in the world. And I'm specifically speaking about Israel and Gaza right now. And I see influencers getting called like called out on both sides about how they're not taking stances or sharing about things. And that alarms me, but it also worries me because some of the people who are doing the calling out are people that I really respect. And I want them to know I am concerned. I am aware. I am educated on it, or at least trying to be. But I don't feel like it's responsible for me to take a stance on something I know so little about. I do feel like I have a responsibility to learn and to form my own opinions, but I'm questioning if I have a responsibility to share those opinions. I don't know. Um, I think especially because when they, they feel so new, like my opinions in 2020 were formed over many years, but these are, these are newer and I, I don't feel like I have that, uh, not expertise, but I don't know. I, I just feel like it, it, it's it's not concrete ground for me to stand on when it's still so new for me and I still have so much to learn too and that I do not know what the answers are, although I can see the suffering is real and horrific and I think in many ways wrong. So it's hard and I, I'm that's on my mind for what's going on there, but also because I'm thinking ahead to 2024 and another blasted, blasted election and realizing I just don't want to go there this time. (laughs) I just, I mean, you already know I'm like a Christian feminist and I'm a nuance to everything. And that's reflective in my work here and what I'm thinking, but I, I just sharing it all explicitly. I just don't feel like it's something I can do. So that's on my mind a lot. Like, so how am I going to do this? Um, what's my line in the sand? I don't know. I don't know. Um, what else is on my mind is I'm just thinking about what my goals are, what I want to work on, what I want more of in my life. I'm going to be sharing an episode on that early January on how I'm creating my goals based on um, what I want more of. And I hope that can be helpful for you. I'm also thinking about my do something list and reflecting back on my DSL this year has helped me inform what I want to do more on next year. And I do know overall, I'm just going to take my time to figure out my goals and my do something list. And that's okay for me to take my time. I don't have to have that decided January 1st or even January 31st. And that's what I'm going to do. And more on my mind is I just want to step up in ways um, that I need to with my children. Uh, I'm thinking about 
making sure I am prioritizing helping a child develop a friendship because she really wants one. And it's been difficult for her to ever have one. And uh, how to also help this child who shows a lot of promise in art. And I want to step up and and help her um, have more of those opportunities. Um, I'm also trying to figure out, step up and figuring out what's next for her in terms of high school. She has one more year in her middle school. And I'm just like, uh, we got to figure out where she's going from here. She's my autistic child, if you don't know. So um, that just needs to take a lot of careful thought and research. And we've started the process, but then you kind of get tired and mixed up and overwhelmed and you step away for a bit and I'm ready to step it back up. I'm also wanting to step up in prepping my second oldest for middle school and deepening our relationship and prioritizing our time together and making sure he's ready and we're ready. And, you know, my oldest, uh, since she's not a typical teen, uh, we may not be ready for that typical teen relationship or experiences that are coming up around the corner for my second. And I want to be prepared for that. And also for like, a, uh, what's it called? Uh, my words are gone by the end of this very long episode. I'm thinking about maturation, puberty. There we go. Um, puberty. <laughs> I got to get more educated on that for sure. Also thinking about how I want to make sure I'm prioritizing my quieter child to make sure he doesn't get lost in all the shuffle and that he's he feels like he doesn't have to be perfect to make up for just how crazy our lives are. Um, want to step up to the plate and handling my newly diagnosed kid, like really coming to terms with, well, what does he need? Like, do we need to hire some help uh, professionally wise? Like, do we need a, a counselor for him or maybe a, a coach or something like that for me to better support him? Also, I've got to think about childcare. Our lovely babysitter who's stayed with us through the fall and uh, will be a little into the winter and she's going to also go on a mission <laughs> in March and April and I love her um, and we'll miss her. Um, and I'm just trying to sort through that. Like, do I do I uh, hire another sitter? Where would I find them? Uh, that's hard to do. And um, I'm also just thinking of not and just making sure during nap time, that's my work time period and everything else is left. Um, so I'm going to be having to make trade-offs left behind. Like all the home tasks will have to be stopped and anything else. So we'll see. We're going to maybe experiment there. Family-wise too, I'm just thinking about, I want to make sure we're stepping up and having fun, lots of fun as a family. Doing that more so this fall was so helpful. 2022 was a year of healing via fun, and I want to bring that back. Uh, Brad is actually going to have a very heavy winter workload. He'll be traveling more too. And I want to make sure we are prioritizing our fun as a family and our connection as a couple and just doing more together, both Brad and I, and as a family where we're just not go, 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 do, 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 and um, just making sure kids are doing chores all the time. I want to have fun together. I also want to be a better friend. I want to read more books, starting with what's on my nightstand. I want to go to more movies. I'm going to share more of the more in a couple weeks. My friends, we made it through the marathon episode of the year. We have not had an episode nearly close to this long all year. And maybe in a couple years, you're a real champ for listening. I hope this didn't bore you to tears. Um, I've never done an episode like this and it's making me think maybe I won't <laughs> again, but it was sure nice for me. <laughs> it was so nice for me to be able to reflect on a, on a really messy year. And it was really nice for me to see the gratitude I have for where I've been, how far I've come 
gratitude for the small moments, gratitude for the small wins, gratitude for the big moments and the big wins too. And overall, just gratitude for, um, and pride in myself. I think that, you know, this is, this was a tough year and a half plus. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I get, it's all because of a baby that got to join our family after years and years of trying to decide if, if we, if we could have a, a, a final caboose to our family. And I'm so glad we did. And it will be, and it's already worth it, right? Before I finally go, I want to read one of my favorite reviews of the year. This is actually a grand prize winner too. And it was still, it's still been unclaimed. And it's Wit MW6. And um, she's, oh, let me just pull it up. But as I do, I took a screenshot of it so I could share it with you. But as I do, I'm just going to be, uh, I'm going to let you know, like I actually had a goal to pass 1200 reviews this year and I got to 1256, I believe, which is awesome. But overall it was a pretty slow review year and that's okay. Maybe we've just maxed out on the people who were listening to the show. I don't know, but, um, overall it was, uh, a good thing. And I'm so grateful for all the reviews. And if you want to leave one and still support the show and my goal, please do that on Apple Podcasts. So here's what she said. I love the focus of this podcast. It's progress over perfection. In a world where perfection seems to be displayed and put on a pedestal, it's so easy to feel like you aren't doing enough. This podcast makes you feel good for making progress, even if it isn't perfect. I love it. Thank you for this. Thank you, Whitney. And if that's you, you can email me at hello at aboutprogress.com. And all these reviews have really helped me uh, really know what to do better and what to do more of. So thank you. We have huge plans for 2024. I have interviews already recorded, several episodes all laid out. The entire calendar year is booked out in terms of interviews um, and has been since last this past summer. But I also have some really exciting things coming that are outside of the podcast, but also connected to podcasting. That's a big hint, and I'll end with a final hint. It will entail me being a bit more personal. My friends, thank you for listening and for being here, for listening to my own messy year, and I hope it gives you the courage to lean into reflecting on your own messy year and being more prepared for your messy year to come. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.